one thing about the small business landscape and one reason why a lot of small businesses or businesses in general work with particular MSPs is they love that relationship and they like that intimacy of them. Welcome to the Twins Talk Tech Leadership Podcast, where we highlight and explore the views of thought leaders and organizations across the tech industry. We're presenting topics on leadership, sales, and trends from our perspective as individuals and, of course, as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk Tech Leadership. Welcome to our show, where we speak with industry leaders and experts about their experiences, their insights, and of course, tips for success. Data is the most powerful asset in your business, yet 80% is unstructured and effectively unsearchable. CrushBank unlocks your prize data, bringing order to that chaos of historical ticketing and of course, client information resources, thereby boosting your efficiency of your team, which we all need, of course and delivering operational intelligence across the whole enterprise. Today, I'm excited, and so is my twin brother, because we have a special guest, someone I've known for quite a long time in the MSP industry. We have Dave Poole with us today. Now, David is the Senior Consultant Director at CrushBank. He's an industry veteran within the managed services provider community and a fellow IMCB member and former president of the chapter. Dave, welcome to the Twins Talking Up podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It has been a while. We, we, we have known each other for a while. It, it's, it's not just small world. It's a close community, right? <laughs> Dave, this is David. And throughout our conversation, my twin and I will introduce ourselves for our listening audience so that they know who's asking you the question. As an industry veteran, Dave, can you tell us more about your own leadership journey how you went from owning an MSP to becoming a highly sought-after consultant. I'm sure this is what led you to CrushBank and why you've been brought in to lead that growth initiative. Great question. You know, it's interesting. I I do get the question a lot about the transition after exiting my MSP, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That first year was tough, (laughs) going from uh, making decisions to having to – adapt and adopt to someone else's style or what, what they were doing. Um, and, and it led me into a fun career, right? I, I was doing different things. I did become sought after just because I, I was doing sales roles and different roles and people wanted to leverage that experience I had when I ran my MSP and it was fun. And also I think it, it helped with the entire conversation of dealing within customers wherever I was because they understood that I, I had dealt with business challenges, not just trying to sell a solution to them, but actually able to talk through um, and understand where they were coming from. But it's really when I shifted to the channel is when I really shifted my focus and started um, going into that executive leadership um, path just because I did understand the business from both sides and really enjoyed it, especially when I was at one of the big RMM companies uh, going through and working through challenges, um, becoming an internal SME, and then ended up running a program. And and that was a lot of fun. Um, 
but you meant you asked the question about ending up at Crush Bank, right? Well, obviously dealing with MSPs for gosh, I guess 15 years now, understanding the challenges and having dealt with the challenges, when I saw Crush Bank, uh, and Danny spoke to it, right? Leveraging that asset of data. When I saw what they were doing and how they were doing it, I absolutely had to be a part of it. And it was great being at a position in my career where, wait, wait, you want to, like, it just was a great conversation of me wanting to come on board, them wanting me to be a part of it. And, and just both being excited about where Crush Bank was going and being a part of that journey. Now, that's awesome, Dave. Now, Dave, one of the great things that you have in your background, which is so unique, unique is that in your background, because you have a sales technical and you can relate to people, you understand the community, you understand the managed services provider business, you're very relatable. And that's really important. I think a lot of times vendors forget that it's not just having the best product in the market today. It's can you relate to the people that you're selling to? Can they look at you and say, wow, I see, I feel, and I'm experiencing authenticity from this individual. I can trust this person. It's easier to build that rapport. And that's one of the things about your background that you have. Even at the last couple of companies you're at, and I've seen you at many different conferences and roadshows, people are drawn to you because you're relatable and you're easy to talk to. They don't feel like you're going to bombard them with technical knowledge or bombard them with sales knowledge. They just feel like they can actually have a conversation with you. And I'm going to tell you that that's what makes you unique. And in our audience today, you have to be authentic. And I would have to tell you that in the MSP community, Dave is one of the most authentic people you're going to run into. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I don't Another know any thing, other way to be. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, Dave, sometimes people just comes across, they come across very salesy or they come across very, it's about me. And, and be honest, there's so much competition out there that we feel if we can get five seconds of someone's time, we need to bombard them with everything of why we're great and why we're awesome. And that's not what you do. It, it's one of the things that I want to take five seconds of the time, get to know you. And if that's all you have, well, great. Maybe you'll remember me and meet me at another conference or come back and talk to me. Not, I'm going to bombard you for five seconds of all my stuff. And now you're going to be reminded <laughs> right. that that's why I don't want to talk to people like you because I don't want to be bombarded. And you don't make people feel that way. And so I would tell you, there's great technology out there, but there's not a lot of people that are very authentic. And that's what makes you unique. Um, now, we know that the IT landscape is changing and it's changing quite quickly. And I think that you making this transition to the organization you're at, yet it is, it is a unique transition. Let's just be honest with your background. However, I believe it was a wise choice to bring you in because of what you do and who you know as far as the audience goes. But can you tell our audience a little bit about the services CrushBank provides and how does it actually help companies optimize their customer experience? Ooh, yeah. Good question, right? Um, I, I want to speak directly to that first so I don't lose, lose sight of the question, which is the customer experience, right? And, and we label it as customer intimacy. One thing about the small business landscape, and one reason why a lot of small businesses or businesses in general work with particular MSPs is they love that relationship and they like that intimacy of them, you knowing that client. You know, the MSP knowing the client, they're being a relationship, they understand what they're doing, they know their systems. Well, as an MSP grows, we, we you know, those of us that dealt with this, as you add more people, you can lose that intimacy. And also you can deal with these cust 
ticket escalations where your customer talks to way too many people to finally get their problem solved. So that is one of the main things we solve, right? So helping create greater intimacy by getting the information to the initial technician right away so that they can speak as if they truly understand what's going on. Because they may have spoken to a manufacturing company five seconds ago, and now they're talking to a doctor's office and they have to quickly adapt and they have to say, okay, here's something completely different. And instead of saying, give me a second, let me figure out what I'm doing. Oh, I don't really, I haven't really touched the system. I'm not that familiar with it. No, they can go into the ticket and the information that's specific to that is immediately presented to the technician so that they can address it and speak to that customer as if they know them, even if they don't, and keep that intimacy. And so that's something that we really work hard on and we talk through and we have conversations with our MSPs. One of the metrics that we see that's related to that is ticket escalation reduction, right? Ticket escalations can be very agonizing. Also, they create a lot of weight on the tier, the level two, level three personnel within that MSP. And we all know there's a massive shortage of level two, level three personnel for MSPs. Well, we, re we see a reduction of escalations of 50%. So now the customer is happy from a customer experience standpoint because that person they're talking to initially doesn't have to escalate to another person. Um, we've also seen a data point nationally where if ticket touches exceed 1.3 ticket touches, um, we see actually in customers leave the MSP. So by reducing, yeah, that's, that's a data point we've seen is uh, all across the country. Um, our CTO did a lot of analysis of that. By reducing that escalation, we reduce those uh, touches per ticket. We also keep that intimacy there. We also help the MSP with not overburdening their level two, level three, and now just a, a lot of a lot of resolution there. So our, I kind of alluded to this and I've gone into a back way, but our solution leverages all that data. It, it, it analyzes structured and unstructured data. So we in, ingest that data. So when the technician is working the ticket, relevant configurations, relevant documents, relevant past tickets, teams messages, where maybe one technician asked somebody a year ago, will pop into that ticket, um, information available from public sources. All that information gets immediately presented to the technician working the ticket, right to them. So instead of going and finding the data, because one other data point is 50% of technicians' time as an MSP is typically found, spent finding the information. So if we can reduce half of their time from what they're doing of just finding the data by immediately getting it to it, now we see quicker time to resolution, more ticket close protect, fewer escalations, and, and the value proposition is just fantastic. Dave, this is David. You spoke of metrics that include ticket escalation and trying to keep that number down for MSPs. CrushBank is transforming the ticketing system. And I read within some of your own marketing collateral that your AI helped to improve productivity with help desk techs. 32% more tickets being closed per tech because of your technology. From your perspective, how have sales within the MSP space changed over the last couple of years, not just in light of the pandemic, but also because of the integration of CrushBank. 
Great question. So that ticket close per tech, um, and and yes, we've got numbers at thirty two percent. We've got one at forty percent. We try not to oversell it. Um, so we usually say 20%. That way, uh, if they get 30%, they're extremely excited. Um, and one thing we've seen, especially post-pandemic, is, and I spoke to a little bit earlier, was about that um, you know, lack of level two, level three resources in the marketplace. Well, it's also hard to hire level ones. Um, and there are a lot of unfilled wrecks. I was at a company the other day, they said they've never had fewer than five unfilled help desk positions ever. So they always have five empty seats where they need people working on tickets. So where we see the solution is if we can do 20%, if they close 20% more tickets per tech, well, you just do the math, right? If you have 10 techs on your help desk and you add that at 20% capacity and you're short two people, you've just solved that problem. So from a sales cycle perspective, it's great. We even now have started having HR people join demos. And we're like, why is an HR person on technical demos? She's like, well, I can't hire people. Like, I heard you can solve for this. I'm like, okay, how many people do you have? How many people do you need? Okay, problem solved. Um, you know, and when you look at the cost of our solution against the cost of resources, I mean, it's an astronomical difference. Like uh, we're much less expensive than a fraction of a resource. So from a sales perspective, yes, it's been fantastic because we have people that have an immediate need. I need people. I can't fill these spots. I need to be able to handle these tickets. And it gets back to a, a previous discussion, which was customer service, customer experience. Well, if they don't have enough technicians to solve tickets and people are waiting to talk to a technician, that's not good for customer experience. Now, if we can handle more text and not have to escalate them, your customer satisfaction just goes up. This is Danny. And what I really appreciate that it's a, it's actually a business discussion and leadership discussion. When you get to sit down and talk about improving an organization profitably, spreading it out a little bit more there, there's just this thing about you can hire more people, but it's not needed. Now, if you are doing well as an organization, you're scaling and you're growing really fast, hire as many people as you can, absolutely. But it's not always a necessity. If you can improve performance by 20%, just that alone can actually save you from hiring another resource. And if you're an organization and you're thinking about medical, dental, and it takes, it can take up to nine months to train somebody to be productive. That's just wasted time and, and a lack of efficiency, a lack of even generating profits. I don't see a reason why people shouldn't be sitting down and having this business discussion with you, Dave, or your team. It just seems to me like an obvious choice. Just that alone is a value prop. Am I, am I missing something, Dave? Is it really no. that simple? It's, it's really that simple. And that's what, that's what I saw. Obviously, I've been in the industry a while, but that's what I saw. When I saw Chris Bing, I was like, holy cow. I mean, this is the biggest no-brainer I've ever seen in this industry. Um, you know, I had a meeting last week, and they were like, we have 10 techs. We need 11 or 12. Okay, here's, we just solved that. And they're like, what? I mean, it just also a conversation, you know, MSPs are talking about scaling. They're talking about leveraging companies to help them with sales and marketing and driving additional revenue. Okay, that's great. But how are you going to scale your delivery to meet that demand as you onboard new customers? And I believe from, you mentioned the business discussion and talking about that strategy, 
you know, how do you look at your scale and how, what if you wanted 20% more customers? Okay, well, how are you gonna do 20% more capacity? Well, oh, I didn't think about that. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's align and have a great strategic discussion. And yes, you are not missing anything. This is Danny, and I want to do another follow-up question with that because I can see the advantage of that for the MSP community for help desk, support desk, ticketing. Uh, I think that's very, very amazing. Are there any other industries outside of the IT services industry where you see that this is, can be a huge impact leveraging this type of methodology outside of the uh, MSP space? Are there any other industries or verticals that you think that this could be a, a great value add? So that's, that's an interesting question. Um, so we purely sell to MSPs and outsource IT support organizations. Mm-hmm. That is our market. That's what we do. That's what our technology is built on. Um, we're built around integrating with ConnectWise, Autotask, ServiceNow, um, Remedy. You know, those are the platforms that we're designed around. Now, when you start talking about what we're doing on ingesting data and presenting it the way we do, I have actually had a couple of calls from friends I know in other industries, and they're like, hey, um, we're doing this, and this is our problem with data. Can we use your technology? That's going to be require some very high-level technical discussions. I don't know if that's anything we're going to pursue. However, um, it's definitely on my mind and it's on my friend's mind evidently because they're, I'm not calling them and they're calling me. So <laughs> we'll see, we'll see what happens. I know this is Danny again. I've, uh, I, I think that when you and I first uh, started talking about this, I started thinking about how we could leverage this uh, for our industry as well. And we also interact with MSP space, but more from a, a learning and development perspective. I, I think that, at this moment, when we think about the future of technology and we think about the future of learning about your data, this is a great opportunity for anybody in the audience. Look, data is king at this moment. And when you have 80% of your data is unstructured, you're not getting any valuable insight, which means you can't profit. I speak so many times to ISVs and organizations. I mean, there's another organization I'm speaking with right now. They have 6,000 MSPs in their, in their organization. And they said, well, what do we need to do? I'm like, you need, you need to leverage that data and make some money off of it. Well, how do I do that? Like, well, <laughs> you're not paying me, but uh, I can introduce you to Dave maybe. That'd be a good idea. And so there's a great uh, opportunity out there if you can learn to leverage the data, learn to utilize technology. Don't be afraid of it. I mean, think about it. A long time ago, people weren't even using a CRM. They were doing everything by hand. And a long time ago, people weren't doing anything online when it comes to their book. Uh, bookkeeping. They were doing everything by hand and then having to translate that at the end of the year to do your taxes. It's just only help propel your business as you move forward. Same thing with this technology today. If you can find a way as an IT service provider to leverage this type of technology, this type of tool to make your business more efficient, more productive, to actually help your clients have a better user experience, why are you not looking at it? Right? Just the, the ability to save two headcounts and then deliver this solution is far cheaper and less expensive. So it's not an issue of price. It's the issue of you trusting and believing that a solution that's out there today can make you more profitable, more efficient. So I want our audience to be able to understand that. 
learn something new. I mean, old dogs can't learn new tricks. I know a lot of us in this space, <laughs> we're over 40 years old. We're, some of us are over 50 years old. But guess what? We can learn new tricks. And I, I just want to make sure we understand that. Dave, real, what quick, your, your role that they brought you in on as a director here, the consultant director, uh, you've been in this space for quite a while. Uh, what are you using and what are you leveraging to learn more about leadership? Because every one of these MSPs you're speaking with, a majority of them started as break fix, a majority of them started as a hobby, became a full-time job, and then became a huge business, 10, 15, 20 employees. How are you leveraging your experience and your background? And we'll talk about your background later on. But how are you leveraging your background, your experience as, as a leader to help lead and help be a thought leader as well with this MSP space? Because you, you must have had something in your background that helped you with your leadership uh, skills. I'm trying to hit to your background uh, uh, so that people can understand a little bit think, more about it. But tell, tell, us, tell us a little bit about your background and how that developed your leadership skills that allowed you to come and lead these MSPs in, in this space today. So yeah, I, do, I, I guess I, I have pretty diverse background, right? So I started in technology a long time ago. You may not know this, um, but I actually started an IT company when I was 15. I used to ride a bicycle to people's houses and fix their computers. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I, I had that initial entrepreneurial spirit when I was young. I really liked computers. I was in a small town and didn't really have much direction on where I wanted to go in the computer industry and decided to join the army. So I went in the army and I think a lot of how I mean, that, that's where I transitioned a lot of my thought process. I did not have the, let's say, gumption or um, tenacity or really confidence for sales at that age, really. And I think a lot of that came from my time in the military. Um, you know, spent a short sit in a combat zone, spent time overseas. I Just a lot of that really... Um, turned me into who I am. And when I got out of the army, I went into a sales role, just pure sales role. I actually sold cars for a part-time job that turned into a little bit more extensive of a career. Um, I have, I, I have, there are two passions of mine, right? Technology and cars. If I can be involved in technology and cars, I'm happy. So I may teeter between both. Uh, I found that technology allows me to feed enjoying cars. And that's, that's the best, uh, a choice for a career path, but right. I think my military career really helped. And then of course, my time in seeing such a fast paced moving industry in the car sales industry. But you, you talked about one thing about how I am and how I talk to people and how I relate to people. I think, and not being a salesy guy, I think being surrounded by so much of that for so many years, I tried to step out of that. Um, so that's part of that um, progression as well. But at one point, I mean, I, I managed 35 salespeople, um, you know, and it just, you pick up a lot of personalities, a lot of experiences. I mean, I had a person that worked for me that was 18 and a person that worked for me that was 56, right? And it, you, you learn a lot in dealing with that. And then coming into and acquiring the IT company that I acquired in Atlanta back in, what was it, 2008, 2009, um, I took all that experience and all that uh, knowledge as well as all my IT experience and just kind of 
turned it into an MSP career, I guess. <laughs> Dave, this is David. I appreciate you sharing about your background and your love for technology, your love for cars. I'm surprised Elon Musk hasn't snatched you up or perhaps he's given you an offer and you turned him down. I'm, who's to say? But I want to, I want to, before I get in my question here, I want to thank you for your service. I, I come from a military family background, my identical twin brother, of course, my dad, one of my brothers, other brothers, one of our other brothers, rather, also served in the military. We are so grateful for your service and um, I want to let you know I appreciate that. Uh, Dave, as we go into our conversation here, I've got to ask about your involvement with the International Association of Microsoft Channel Partners, or what's known as IAMCP. Uh, you've served as president of both the Atlanta chapter and the Raleigh Triangle chapter, and now you are an advisor to the IAMCP Carolinas board. Tell us about how you got involved in IAMCP why that's so important for you and how you continue to champion that as a great way for organizations to get connected with Microsoft and that community. Great question. Well, it's, it's hard to believe I've been in the IHP for over a decade now. Um, so I'll answer the question of how I got involved. So the company I had was in the Atlanta market and there's a large Microsoft office in Atlanta. And we used to go to regular meetings there, obviously, Microsoft licensing has always been a challenge. Um, and as my company was growing, I will tell you, I started off when we were really small. Um, our Microsoft distributor didn't, didn't care who we were. As we grew, multiple ones were calling us and saying, why can't you buy your licenses from us? And it was just really interesting. All of a sudden I had resources available to me. All of a sudden I had training, I had credits, I could, you know, fund but marketing and projects and, and training for my team. And I would go to these meetings and I was a very loud voice. So you'd have a group of all these IT service providers, um, you know, VARs, resellers, all that in a room with Microsoft executives or salespeople telling you what you need to do and how licensing was going to change next quarter and all of this. And I was a very loud voice in the room. And someone came up to me and said, hey, Dave, um, you interested in being a part of this IMCP and you know kind of explained to me what it was and said like to have it involved let's start a steering committee and we started a chapter in Atlanta which was actually a revitalization of a chapter that had floundered a few years ago um I think they had a bad president for top term but not don't want to get into that but I was like sure let's let's how can we do it and it was really cool and it was the first time I really got involved with collaboration with other MSPs that were actually competitors and it was fun, right? Talking about problems, talking about ideas. And at that point in time, it was very difficult for running a business in the technology industry and having someone you could just go sit in front of and talk to about the challenges that wasn't trying to sell you something, right? Um, and it was really nice to do that. And it was interesting seeing the separation between business owners that would come in and leave and never come back because they saw everybody as competition and they didn't want to give up their trade secrets. Um, and those that stayed and worked together and collaborated. And, and I really enjoyed it. Um, so I ran as president there in Atlanta and then served my term and then did the term of president emeritus in Atlanta. Um, I got out of Atlanta and moved to North Carolina and immediately got a call saying, hey, can you start an IMCP chapter in Raleigh? I was like, no, come on. Okay, I'll do it. 
So I did that. Um, Carolinas was an interesting area and they finally decided to shift to a Carolinas, especially through the pandemic area era of, let's do South Carolina, North Carolina, Charlotte, Raleigh. It's too hard to run multiple chapters. Let's do one as a whole. And I said, I'll help, I'll be a resource, but I'm not on any, any board seat anymore. I'm gonna take a step back. Uh, I'm here to help, I'm here to be a resource. And, and I really enjoy where IMSP has gone from the POGs and the international calls and a lot of the, the higher level calls and I've really enjoyed those. Um, it'll be good to get back involved with, I think a smaller chapter again, I do some, time and spend some time with the, the virtual chapter and I enjoy that chapter as well. But no, IHV has been, I mean, it's been part of me for over a decade now and and I, I've made a lot of friends in here. I, I mean, I, you know, Danny and I go back from IMSP. That's how we know each other and why we're sitting here today. Um, I have a lot of friends that I've made over the last, you know, 11 years, 12 years in IMSP. So yeah, it's been cool. This is Danny, and I really appreciate you talking about that because it is a great organization, and I always think about servant leadership because uh, people like yourself who have to step into the leadership role are actually providing what MSPs need, IT service provider needs, in order to grow their business. You're actually making sure that their needs are being related back to Microsoft, and then you're receiving information from Microsoft and making sure you're bringing the right Microsoft speakers to help these MSPs grow their business. Uh, and uh, that is phenomenal. And I see the trajectory of where IMCP is going. It is, it is amazing how they bring in the right speakers. They have these specialty groups to treat, really try to foster this thing called partnering and partnering to make sure partners are getting help from and working with other partners. And then also trying to get uh, additional lead services and build up their practice with mentoring services and coaching services. I mean, they're just doing everything possible to try to make an MSP's business successful. And the only bottleneck is the MSP owner themselves. And you used to run an MSP. I used to run a co-managed MSP as well. And we know what it's like to run a business, have employees, have technicians, and then, uh, uh, you know, ultimately, hopefully either keep it and grow and scale it or sell it. I was fortunate enough to be one of those who were able to sell it. And uh, it's really impressive the work that they are doing. So I appreciate your service. I also appreciate you serving in the Carolina Advisory Board to helping to really grow that practice because at the end of the day, as an MSP, we have too many things that we're juggling and we need guidance. We need help. We need help. And if there's someone out there that can help us, hey, I'm going to take it all day long. So thank you for uh, helping in that capacity as well as your background in the military. And, and I appreciate that. A lot of times people don't realize the military teaches you a couple of things. It, it doesn't just teach you leadership. It teaches you family, right? You have your battle buddy. You take care of your battle buddy. And one of the things I've seen you done over the years uh, in the community, in the spaces of you taking care of other MSPs. And I think that's what leads to your authenticity at the roadshows, at the conferences, at the events, where people see that. They see that Dave is authentic. He really cares about us. And the reason why you care about them is because you used to be in their shoes. You know what it <laughs> means to run an MSP. You know how hard it is to be bombarded with 10,000 people and conferences and 10,000 different vendors wanting your time. You know exactly what that's like. You know exactly what it means to help build up their practice. Even at your last organization, helping MSPs basically essentially have an MSSP practice. Because look, you just do you, we'll do the rest. You did, you were like, I'm going to try to help you. 
grow and scale your business and give your customers everything they need because I used to be in your shoes. That is amazing. Uh, Dave, I want to ask you this quick question. And, and then uh, I want, before I ask you this question, I want our audience to know Dave hinted about this a little bit earlier. You know, Dave talked about his military background, but he has an affinity for cars. He loves vehicles. He loves cars. Now, there are people out there that loves cars. That's true. But not enough to where they're going to get that car wrapped to protect everything about the paint, customize it, and all that other stuff that's out there. Dave, tell us about your newest baby that you have, the color, uh, why it's amazing, how it stands out. Because I think it's like it's a beautiful car, but it's kind of muscular at the same time. It demands authority and respect. So tell us a little bit about that real quick before I get into this question I have to ask you after that. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked about my new car. Um, I'm really excited that buying it also came with a um, Ford Performance Track uh, Racing School um, included, which I'm, you know, I'm upset I have to wait till March to go. But anyway, I, I just got a new Mach 1 uh, Mustang with a Tremec six-speed manual. I, I really... A lot of the driving force in getting that car is I wanted a manual transmission. Um, I had a great BMW that I tracked, um, and I drive on the track about once a month, sometimes twice a month. So I, I do get a lot of track work. Um, I did get the front of my car PPF'd, which is the plastic that's molded to the body so that your paint can't get damaged. And um, I have experienced ceramic coating cars. and. Some people don't know it. I actually owned a detailing business for a while and a distributed car care product. So I, I have commercial stuff in my garage and I do, I don't let anybody else touch my cars. The dealership, when they sold me the car was like, what do you mean we can't wash the car? I was like, don't touch that car. I don't want, I don't want your detail people washing that car. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little particular, uh, but I'm very excited. The Mach 1 is a very impressive car, um, a lot of horsepower. It's ready to go set up for the track like day one like um so I'm, I'm 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 excited to hit the hit the track actually today i'll be taking it in for the break-in oil change so i haven't really been able to drive it yet so this weekend um i i, I hope i don't go through a set of tires <laughs> there you go this is danny again and a lot of our uh friends out there they they have ha habits and hobbies and passions that they have out, out there and a lot of them are into vehicles they're into cars they're into car racing and it's good to be able to hear uh your passion and not only that the the fact that you know what they do you know how they detail vehicles you're like don't touch it i'll do it myself <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how you know hey look this is my baby not anyone gets to touch it so that's pretty awesome now uh before dave gets to his question i think it's very important to understand and let our audience know that throughout our life and how we're growing up as an individual and how we grow up as a business leader, there's a lot of things that have impacted us. And for you to have your unique background, your military experience, owning a, uh, owning your own business uh, at 15, for example, and then owning your own MSP, then owning the detailing business, which is kind of cool, putting it all together. Uh, what other things have you done to actually help you grow as a leader? Were there books that you read? Were there leadership seminars that you attended? Were there special drill sergeants in your life? What what happened and in your past that allowed you to grow as a leader? And what are you doing today to continue to grow as a leader? That's a really good question. You know, um, I, I wish I had a list of books that I've read and I, I've got to 
be a little more intentional about that on some new ones. I remember a big one when I had my uh, MSP, which was E-Myth and E-Myth Mastery. I don't know if you know those. Those are great ones. There's also another really good one called Little Voice. Um, it's that little voice that tells you you can't do that. And it's about mastering that little voice. Um, so those were good. Um, you know, we, we, we are an EOS company, the entrepreneurial operating system, which I think is, is just phenomenal. If, if your listeners aren't a part of that, like look at that, get involved in that. Um, I think it's just phenomenal. Um, I will tell you one thing I really liked about when I got out of the army and got involved in automotive sales was how much training was available. Like I had some um, dealerships that invested in me, sending me to some trainings and conferences. I had a um, counterpart, and this is a really big piece of it, is a counterpart that worked with me at a dealership in Texas. And he came in, knew nothing about cars, which my big thing was, just like with technology, just like running MSP, I talk to people and I relate to them about what they are doing. I'm a car guy. I knew everything about every car that I sold. Like, okay, here's the compression ratio. I mean, you, I got into the nuts and bolts probably too much. Um, but this guy came in and just knew people. And his ability to deal with people without understanding anything about a car blew my mind. And I bought him lunch and I sat down and he talked to me about personality traits and understanding extroverts versus introverts, people who are paced for it, just all these different ways and meeting people where they are, right? And not trying to get them to deal with you as a person, but just meeting them where they are. And then I worked for an organization in the Carolinas that was had an entire training program around that, which was understanding the different personality traits. So I would say a lot of my understanding, both from dealing with partners and customers, as well as employees, I mean, it's, it's, it's important. I mean, the one organization I worked for, every employee wore a name tag that showed the exact bar graph of their personality traits so that people could understand how to relate to one another in meetings, you know? And so people could instantly say, okay, this person, and that was a big, big part of my understanding more about people and why everybody wasn't like me, right? You know, that everybody's not like you and um, not everyone understands how to adjust to your traits. So it's better to you to adjust to theirs, especially if somebody works for you. You just can't tell them to be like you, right? You have to understand how to meet them where they are. And so that was a big, big, big part of it. This is Danny again, and, and I appreciate you, you sharing about that. We we're so fortunate in our organization. We've actually developed a lot of leadership courses, training courses. We've actually developed courses on leading with empathy for technical leaders. It's, wow. it's so important for them to be able to relate to people that are not like them. It's so easy to say, hey, I love talking about cars and cars only because everyone loves talking about cars. But now you have to go talk to someone who doesn't know anything about cars. And that's another unique thing about you, Dave, is that you can relate and talk to people about just about anything. You've been in the channels long enough. You've been in this space long enough. And, and you work with MSPs uh, consistently, which is the reason why you're brought over to your organization today, because of your experience working with MSPs. Uh, I want to ask you, from all your years of working with MSPs, uh, what do you feel is the most needed 
thing that MSP owners need in order to really help grow their business and scale their business? And I'm asking this because I know that this is the reason why you went to this new company, because you have a desire to actually help MSPs grow their business faster and become more efficient. But outside of just that aspect, what do you feel of all the years of experience you've been working with MSPs? Maybe there's more than one one thing that MSPs need to work on, but what do you feel is one of the main things that MSP owners need just to get over that hump and actually grow their business? Because uh, that's what that's what you're here for. That's exactly why you were brought into this organization. But you you see MSPs, you work with them all the time. But there's some MSPs, man, they're just at the same plateau every single year. They're just not getting it. What is that one thing you see maybe that they might need a little bit more assistance on just to get over the hump? So I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, I think the number one thing is to get out of the way. Um, I see as you're small, you know, I remember when we were getting our MSP off the ground, when I acquired the company, they were barely making any money which is how I was able to do so. But you have to do what you're not good at, right? You have to do what you have to do to make it happen. You know, I remember taking money from anybody that could pay us, right? Just whatever we can do to get there. Well, once you start growing and once you actually have some capabilities, once you can make some investments, you need to trust your people. If you bring someone in, you need to be able to trust them to do what they're good at. I actually was speaking to a business owner that I've known for years through the IMCP. I was speaking to him yesterday and I was like, do you really want me to tell you? He goes, yeah, throw it on, lay it on me. I was like, all right, let me tell you. But if you're not good at sales, why are you the only salesperson? You know, Um, if you're like, if you're good at technical and that makes money and you can hire someone that's good at sales to bring in more money, why aren't you doing that? Why are you holding your company back by doing something that you're not good at? Um, why are you not hiring a company to maybe help you with marketing? Why are you doing marketing if you have no idea how to communicate a message? Um, it just blows my mind how people do things that they're not proficient at. Why would someone who's an active directory guy be configuring a Cisco firewall? They wouldn't do that, would they? Would an MSP do that? Um, no. You know, the, would they pull a low voltage cabling guy in to configure a vir- you know, to configure configure a virtual server or do a cloud migration? So why are they having a technical guy do sales? Well, I understand it. They had to to get the company off the ground. But now they're at this plateau because they won't get out of the way and they won't trust someone else who's proficient at something to do the job they need to do. Dave, this is David. I love that you shared that insight for not just MSPs, but for owners of all organizations. You could be that stop guy, but part of why organizations trust CrushBank is because you're trying to put the right people in the right seats on the bus to leverage their knowledge, their talent, to get the most, squeeze the lemon so that you can be the most profitable and productive organization you could be. David shared from his background how he's owned an MSP. He's had incredible background in terms of uh, building wealth, sales from $1 million to $100 million in sales, working at, at, a, at dealing with cars. He's got different consultative roles. He's now at Crush Bank because he helps to deliver that efficiencies 
that MSPs need to address. So how can your organization best leverage data? Analyze both structured and unstructured data. Work with CrushBank. CrushBank delivers that AI engine to transform your IT support. They deliver faster resolutions, fewer escalations, increase the efficiency of your help desk personnel, and they provide in-depth analytics. If you want to know more about Dave and his work, find him on LinkedIn. Ask him about his love for cars. Ask him what happens when he takes that Mach 1 Mustang on the track. And then while you're at it, go visit CrushBank.com. David, thank you so much for sharing your time, your insight with us. It's been fun watching you get excited, literally from every step of our conversation, from talking about your experience at MSPs, talking about your military background, talking about your love for cars, just to see your passion and even the advice you gave about giving people the leverage to do their job. This is how we grow organizations. This is how we grow even our podcast. Dave, thank you for joining us. And we hope you come back again soon on Twins Talking Up. Thank you so much for having me. It has been a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk Tech Leadership. Please subscribe, download, and share this program. Learn about sponsorship opportunities and become featured on our program. Follow us on LinkedIn and other social media platforms. Be sure to also give our other program, Twins Talk It Up, a listen as well. We will see you next time in the next episode of Twins Talk Tech Leadership. Thank you.